Welcome to a Work in the West podcast, supported by funding from the Social Science and Humanities Research Council and organized by Dr. Sheila Campbell and Andrew Stevens at the University of Regina. This alt conference series interviews researchers, graduate students, and community members about the state of work and employment in Western Canada. Enjoy. Today we have with us Janeline Antoni. Janeline is an artist and outreach designer with a studio in rural Saskatchewan. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you became an advocate for freelancer and independent contractor rights in Saskatchewan? Absolutely. I actually got my start uh, mentoring under one of the early founders of Doctors Without Borders, uh, Pravin Pillay. I was an art student at the University of Saskatchewan doing a collaborative art project with him. And it really gave me some insight into how, you know, artists can become marginalized and how people who are contract workers can become marginalized. I became very passionate about environmental and as well as social welfare kind of work and sustainability. And I had the good fortune of working for some incredible organizations, Environment Canada, the University of Saskatchewan, the University of Calgary. And it gave me some great insight into, you know, some of the social change that we can create. And I decided that I wanted to be able to contribute to rural communities in rural Saskatchewan. And I started a contracting business, I guess, out in uh, Shields, Saskatchewan. And it was in the spring of 2019 that I learned that I was going to um, be up against some hurdles. I was working for an established reputable charity that receives federal and provincial funding as well as private donor contributions and a man who was working as a volunteer capacity on that board. He began sexually harassing me and verbally abusing me in front of a group. I realized that I wanted to go forward and kind of ask for his behavior to be curtailed. And what I was told was that I would no longer be allowed to continue working for that organization. So I went forward to OHNS and I provided them with the information that they required as part of their review process. But then I was told that ultimately, because I wasn't an employee, that I wasn't protected under OHNS legislation in Saskatchewan. And I was just absolutely shocked. I couldn't believe that I was doing the same work that I had been doing in the university system for federal projects and not for profit charities and that now I was because I was a contract worker that I had absolutely no protections in the workplace in the province of Saskatchewan. So I had a friend who early uh, this year encouraged me to go forward. She saw how much I was struggling with with this and yeah encouraged me to go forward. So it was at that point that I reached out to the Saskatchewan government and I worked with Nicole Sauer. She's the deputy leader of the NDP caucus, the critic for justice, policing and corrections. And yeah, we started trying to reach out to various leaders within the provincial government to try to create change. So what I learned is that OHNS doesn't include protections for contract workers. So contract workers is kind of a broad idea, you know, and it, and for me, it impacts people like myself. I work primarily with science-based and educational organizations, but contract work can belong to all kinds of marginalized communities, can belong to uh, new immigrant communities, as well as 
A lot of people with disabilities work contract work. And so, you know, some of the highest statistics of concern that's presented to the Human Rights Commission comes from that community. So there's a lot of intersectional overlap by, by creating such a large gap. But then the other thing that really stood out is that in Saskatchewan, in the entire 300 pages of OHNS, there isn't one mention of sexual harassment. There isn't any sort of language around what sexual violence looks like in the workplace in Saskatchewan. So for example, there's quite a, quite a detailed um, discussion around how to carry a first aid kit in a vehicle in Saskatchewan as part of health and safety but there's absolutely no reference to sexual harassment. And, uh, you know, the kind of common sort of experience is that for a lot of contract workers is that if a man starts sexually harassing you in the workplace, you often lose the work that if you, if you try to go forward or you try to intervene in any kind of way. And so often you end up losing the work and damaging your reputation as well. So it's it kind of becomes one of those things where it's, you know, get along to go along. And for me, it just really stood out that I wasn't able to accept that for myself. I think there's all kinds of reasons why people are obligated to accept that. And it's, and it's infuriating that there is no protection for these workers. So the other really big problem that stood out for me is that there, there really isn't any detailed information about mental health first aid. So, you know, in all the detail that there is about in OHNS talking about first aid, mental health first aid isn't covered for that. And after a woman has been sexually assaulted or sexually harassed in the workplace, that's what she needs. She needs or they need immediate care. You know, the damage that can come from that kind of violence in the workplace is, is evident. And whether or not it's a criminal behavior, it is still a workplace issue. You know, if, if I am going forward and asking, you know, for the organization to address this I, and I end up losing the work, you know, that just compounds on the, the mental health concern that I have as part of that work. So, you know, as part of a, as a safety issue, I would, I would be, I would think it, it's fairly concerning. And of course, for contract workers, you know, there, there really isn't any protection at all. So, you know, anyone who's working in the province of Saskatchewan today, you know, there's no protection talking about sexual harassment in the workplace specifically. And people would refer to the harassment clause. But again, that piece of policy is less detailed than smoking in Saskatchewan. There's a lot of language around smoking and very little language around harassment. And so I'm really advocating for comprehensive uh, policy, you know, that is directive and it doesn't leave room for opinions, you know, that it, it really gives people direction on how to respond to these workplace safety issues. You know, if, if the language is completely absent for contract workers and someone wants to reference, you know, what, what do I do in this, this situation? They really are left to a lack of direction from, from the provincial government on this matter. And so I had been speaking with various authorities on this subject, looking at, you know, why this might be. And I heard a really interesting response from a lawyer out of Toronto. And she said, you know, employers can't contract out their OHNS responsibilities. So even as a contractor, you know, that protection should still be there. But of course, it's not explicitly stated in OHNS in Saskatchewan. You know, for me, the response that I did get was that me as a contract worker, I should provide a safe work environment for my employees. 
but because I was a freelancer, I really was the only employee. So, you know, it's, it's really difficult for someone to be able to police, uh, you know, their own situation, which is really fundamentally why things like OHS or the Workers' Compensation Board were created to create that third party oversight to protect people. Because I really cannot choose contracts that are going to protect me from sexual harassment in the workplace. Men who, you know, and it is statistically primarily men who are choosing that behavior are choosing that behavior. And that's why it's essential to have protections in place to keep people safe. And if there are confusing standards or directions, you know, that's where opinion takes over. And that was my experience. Um, And when there are policies and procedures that are effective, they are based on accountability you know, data collection and, you know, change that is based on the, the effectiveness of them, you know, you can see Hello? I was really interested in seeing how there's very clear language detailing how a first aid kit should be carried in a vehicle where employees are being transported. So information is detailed, it's outlined, very clear because those very specific directions are necessary those directions are meant to save lives this very specific and clear direction gets rid of opinions and provides people with the detailed directions on how to respond to workplace safety issues that can result in serious damage to workers and this language is completely absent when it comes to sexual harassment and or mental health first aid and there's just no protection for contract workers at all so there's this entire community and population that, that we aren't, we just aren't covered. And, you know, when I first went forward, you know, as, a, as working for a community-based organization, I was told that as a contract worker, I was, an, I was needing to be able to provide safe the kind of decision that came back to me was that, you know, because I'm a, I'm a contract worker, I needed to provide a safe work environment for my employees. I am the employee. I was the person who was being sexually harassed, sexually assaulted in the workplace. And it was kind of like a lot of victim blaming, even the kind of language or the decision that kind of came back to me. And I found that kind of response interesting because uh, as somebody who isn't protected under OHNS, it's, it's, it's not, possible for me to police, you know, any kind of violence that's coming towards me, which is how the Workers' Compensation Board and OHS was created in the first place, was to create those kind of third-party oversights to keep people safe and to have those directions and that accountability. So, you know, I can't choose contracts that are going to protect me from sexual harassment in the workplace. Men who choose that behavior are choosing that behavior, and that's why it's essential to have these protections to keep people like myself safe. And if they're confusing standards or directions, that's when opinion starts to take over. So, you know, OHNS very clearly outlining step-by-step how to handle various situations is, is important and effective. And, and we see how it saved lives, you know, all across, all across the country. I think that the kind of damage that happens to uh, people who survive this kind of intimidation or, or harassment or violence in the workplace <laughs> It's significant that that really was my experience. And that's really me too has been, you know, sharing hashtag me too has been sharing all of the kind of experiences that women go through, certainly in uh, the entertainment industry where there's a lot of contract work and a lot of kind of lack of oversight. And so, you know, seeing these protections created 
in a province where we have such high statistics of violence against women, I, I really think that sometimes it's difficult to know where to start, but this, this certainly is something that we, we can see and we could, we could change. You know, other parts of Canada do have really, you know, a policy in place protecting contract workers from sexual violence and also, you know, just including action plans around sexual violence and sexual assault, sexual harassment in the workplace. So I think that, you know, Saskatchewan, this is a great time for that change to happen. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And just a follow-up question. I know you mentioned Me Too. What impact has the Me Too movement had for your industry? I don't think that the world will ever be the same. Me Too and the kinds of stories that survivors have been sharing, it's created so much solidarity certainly for workers where maybe people were feeling isolated or they were feeling that when they're told that it's not happening you know you can see that when you type in that hashtag really you can you can see that impact across the world about how women are struggling in every community to create changes to make it safer for for everyone. And I think for certainly for my industry, people are, are able to say, you know, this really is an inherent part of the work that we do. This violence is so commonplace. You're not alone. I see you. I believe you. Together, we can address this and we can change it. And those changes are happening. It's an incredibly inspiring moment. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And what do you think are the implications um, of this work for women workers? One of the communities that is the most marginalized is women with developmental disabilities um, and certainly women with developmental disabilities who have dual diagnosis. When I think of the types of uh, protections that this can create, it, the, the broad re reaching impact of this is, is really exciting. Um, statistical violence, sexual assault rates for that population, I've read 83% of women with disabilities are sexually assaulted. And I can <laughs> state fairly confidently that that is happening in workplaces. So to create that protection to keep the most vulnerable people safe, I, I just think it's, it's, it makes sense. It is what OHS represents and stands for. Every worker in Saskatchewan deserves that protection. It will impact Saskatchewan workers from the highest uh, positions right down to the lowest contract workers. So, you know, I think we're really seeing a revolution where people who weren't able to have a voice before. will now be able to come forward and safely be able to report without the fear of losing work, without the fear of losing their jobs, and to be able to do so in a way that validates their experiences and creates future opportunities for them. And just to follow up with all the important work that you're doing, what change do you hope to bring about in organizations? 
Saskatchewan has incredibly high rates of violence against women. Uh, workplace culture, people go to work nine to five, any amount of time that you're spending at work really is, you know, socially reinforcing those cultural norms. So if people are allowed to be violent towards women in the workplace, you know, that's a really concerning part of how that's impacting life in Saskatchewan. I, I really see this improving the quality of life for people in Saskatchewan. You know, threat of violence makes it challenging for people to really understand, produce, be creative, do their best work. The, the impact that I can see for organizations across Saskatchewan, culturally, the rest of Canada has been taking steps forward towards, you know, federally mandated changes. You know, there's, there's been some incredible work that's being done at a federal level asking for these changes, you know, and so when we're thinking about who we are as a community in Saskatchewan, I'm a very... I'm very proud to be <laughs> from Saskatchewan and I'm, I'm very proud to continue fighting to, to make change so that we can address these challenges. You know, the culture in workplaces across Saskatchewan, women, survivors everywhere, they deserve to know that they're safe in the workplace and, and to have these protections in place. I think it will, you know, make us competitive. It's, it's you know, something that's happening all across the country. I, I really do believe it's just a matter of time before Saskatchewan's able to make this change. I know that there are organizations that are asking for roadmaps, action plans about how to address violence towards women in Saskatchewan. And, you know, there's some incredible vision out there, you know, that people are asking for. And I think that making this change to OHNS is one step forward in the right direction to seeing those visions realized. What are the challenges you're facing in getting contractors protected by occupational health and safety legislation in Saskatchewan? Yeah, absolutely. I think there is a few kind of myths maybe that I need to, needed to address. And, and there's a bit of an education campaign that, that is happening at the moment. You know, one of the big myths is that you know, OHNS has a harassment policy, so sexual harassment is is protect is protected under. But if we have workplace cultures where that isn't addressed as a policy point, then women are left with the responsibility of you know finding ways to you know meet that policy through maybe police or the human rights tribunal. You know, workplaces across the province they do have sexual assault, sexual violence, sexual harassment policy in place. But OHNS, you know, doesn't reflect that down in, in with comprehensive language. You know, whether or not, again, whether or not it's a criminal issue in the workplace, it is a workplace issue. It is a workers' rights issue. So that's kind of one of the big myths that I've been kind of coming up against is why do we need to include specifically sexual harassment or sexual violence? And I, I again, just point to other parts of the country and saying how advanced, you know, some of the, the policy can be in protecting specifically women from this type of aggression. And I, I'm a big believer that when something is present and transparent and is specifically addressed, it no longer is allowed to be invisible. You know, it's no longer allowed to be ignored. And certainly, again, I keep going back to this, this problem that we have such high st statistics of violence towards women here. If we can begin to very actively 
call that out in the workplace, you know, starting with policy and saying, we're going to prioritize this, we're going to prioritize this language, and we are going to put it front and center in front of workplace cultures and say, this is no longer allowed. I, I believe that those types of education campaigns do create change and that there, it is a necessary step uh, to improving uh, workplace culture. The music in this podcast has been brought to you by Nick Faye and the Deputies.